faith a necessity for every believer. Hebrews 11.1 1 describes faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Having faith in God means having confidence in Him. It is an unwavering assurance. It is trust. But for there to be trust, there must be truth. In this season of Say Little Prayer Nigeria, we deal with a fundamental foundation of faith, which is truth. When we know the truth about God, about ourselves, about a circumstance, we will be able to apply faith the right way. And we will find that with the right word, not the illusions or adjustments man has consoled himself with over time, but the true word of God, backing our faith. Faith will stand. It will not bend. It will not break. It will not yield. Why? Because we are not deceived. Listen and be blessed. Good evening and welcome to Sales Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. I hope that your week past has been blessed and that your week to come will be something fulfilling. Okay, last week we dwelt on three truths. Um, the first of which was that lasting change comes from the inside. This is in Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, you have to understand, when God wanted to change man, when God wanted to save man, he had to start from inside. All the sacrifices before Jesus dealt with the outside, only the outside. It did not address the matter at hand, the most important one, which was our spirit, which was what the problem was in the first place because we were disconnected from God and we needed to be reconnected. So Jesus had to make an appearance and die for us and to find a way for God to dwell within us and fix us from the inside out. If you don't make the endeavor to change what is inside before addressing what is outside, eventually your inside will show and everybody will see your flaw. You can't cover it, you can't mask it because you're going to keep adding more coating to more coating to more coating until you don't even look like yourself anymore. You're a caricature of what a person should be dwelling on the outside never addressing the inside is only ever going to lead to chaos that is detrimental to you then we moved on from there and we talked on the second truth which is that jesus is our mediator and our negotiator he is the one that is standing at the right hand of the most high he is appealing for us interceding for us protecting us. He is declaring us blameless, faultless, without blemish to the Most High God. You've read your Bible, or even if you've not read your Bible, you know of Jesus. If you're a new believer and you've not taken the time to read the Synoptic Gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Synoptic Gospels and John. If you have not taken the time to read those books, read it so you can understand exactly who this person is 
that is advocating for you, who this person is that is standing in as your lawyer, defending you, declaring you not guilty to God. Because you need to understand that this is a person who will never hold anything against you. He will never hold anything against you. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. Because he died for your sins. He died for every single one of them. And if he dies for them, then what is he holding against you? Nothing. There is literally nothing to hold. And then finally, we're dealt with the last truth. That is, living under the law will cost you. And I'm going to explain it further now so that you can understand me more clearly. The last week. You see, you had in the old days, you sinned and you paid by sacrificing something. Uh, that is uh, like ram, cattle, birds, things like that. And then Jesus came and he became the lamb for the slaughter, the sacrifice for us. He paid for us with his blood. We were bought out of slavery with his blood and set free. He doesn't hold us captive. Satan will hold you captive and you will still pay. So, if you want to abide by the law, which is basically living in the world because you have decided that the blood of God has nothing to offer, that he didn't die for you, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Here's the thing. A sacrifice is something that is of value to you. It is something important to you. So if you want to live outside of Jesus, if you refuse to accept him, as your Lord and Savior, refuse his sacrifice for you, refuse his payment for you, insisting on paying by yourself. You're going to have to pay with things that are of value to your life. Anything that would add value to your life will be taken until you have nothing left to offer but your life. That is what it means by saying living under the law will cost you because it will cost you. It's not free. It's not free. Now, quickly, I want to go over something very shortly before I move into today's topic. And it is um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18. I'll read Amplified Version still. Now, where there is absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, that is sin, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. Now, Earlier in the very first episode of this season, I said that you don't, one of the truths is that you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer because he has completely and perfectly forgiven all of your sins. There is no more atonement to be made. So if you have done something prior to in your past that you feel you're paying for it now or you just have to accept the punishment because this is the righteous thing to do, that's wrong i know that it's something that your maybe your consciousness your mind is struggling with because how can you commit an atrocity and not pay for it thing is that it's already been paid for it's already been paid for someone else took your place and paid that price so that you don't have to so you don't have to go ahead and atone because there is literally nothing to atone for you don't need to keep suffering and for example i'm going to use this example it was a a lady, she she had committed several abortions in her lifetime and the last abortion that she committed damaged her womb, caused her womb to be damaged so she could not conceive anymore. 
Now she got married and then she gave her life to Christ. And she struggled with this because she thought it's the price that she'll have to pay for killing so many children. She would never get the opportunity to raise one of her own. But God can do anything. And the more she fellowshiped with God, the more she believed. And because of this belief that she had in God, she held on with her faith and she refused to let it go. If God can do anything, then God could give her a child. And she believed and she had faith and God gave her a child. From her damaged womb, she produced a child. You don't have to pay. You don't have to suffer anything. Every price that you could possibly pay, he has paid it. He has made the way for you to be holy and blameless before God. Now, quickly, we're going to move into today's uh, topic and we're going to be really quick about it because time is of essence. But before we begin, shall we say this a prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your children this evening. Please, Lord, let my words be your words. I am just a vessel for you. Use me as an instrument to reach them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 19 to 22. I'll read, Amplified Version. 19. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart, in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. See, back in them days, during the days of the priesthood, the priesthood of the Levites, only the high priest, the designated priest, could enter into the Holy of Holies. Back then, they would tie a rope around his waist, and the other priest would hold the rope from outside while he stepped into the Holy of Holies. Because if he did not follow the correct protocol or went ahead and made a misstep, he would be struck dead and they would have to drag his body out because no other person could enter into the Holy of Holies. But that was what it was then. God wasn't killing them. Issue was their nature. The nature was not compatible with God. They had a sin nature, God has a love nature. When they clashed, God will always overpower sin. He will always overpower sin. So the priest couldn't enter the Holy of Holies without following the protocol. Because the protocol is what kept them alive. They had to maintain that blameless self, that whitewashed self, to at least survive a few minutes in his presence. God is living in us as believers. His dwelling place is right on the inside of us. It means that we are clean. We are perfectly clean. We are blameless. We are spotless. We are not contaminated. We are perfectly 
clean. This means that we have no excuse whatsoever why we would not enter into his presence. You don't need your pastor to pray for you, to intercede on your behalf. You can intercede on your behalf. You don't need your brother who is a priest in the Catholic Church to pray for you so that God will hear him. God hears you just as clearly as he hears him. You don't need your mother or your grandmother in the village who has been a Christian since the day they give birth to her to pray for you. You are a Christian. He's living inside you. You can do it for yourself. You don't need a middleman to get to God. That is the truth that we're dealing with here. You do not need a middleman to get to God. God is dwelling on the inside of you. He is taking care. He has taken care, pardon me, of every blemish that would cause you to miss out on his presence. Now, there is such a thing as a prayer of agreement where two or three of you, or as many of you as want to be, sit down and concerning a matter, all of you agree that this is what the matter, this is what the problem is, this is the result you want to see, this is what you want to happen. You agree on that. There is such a thing as a prayer of agreement, but it's not for everything. God is a personal God, don't forget that. He's a personal God. He is your personal God and Savior. So there are things pertaining to you that don't involve other people and don't need to involve other people. He is a God for all your problems, both the personal ones and the public ones. He is a God for everything. You don't need a middleman because he's right here. And if he's right here, it's because you're perfect. You're perfectly okay to enter into his presence and ask for whatever it is that you need to ask for. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our faith, that is our hope, without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithful, as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. The truth that we're dealing with here is that fellowship with other believers is not for God's sake, it's for your sake. In the world, you have motivational speakers. They come and they speak and they give you courage, encourage you to do these things, to face your struggles, fight your fears, start your business. Well, the church is for you believers to build your faith and your confidence in God. You go there, you learn of God. You learn of Jesus. You learn of the Holy Spirit. What is his capacity? What is his ability? What are the abilities and treasures that he has given to you? Fellowshipping there, going there, is not taking attendance. God's not looking at your church attendance to determine whether you enter heaven. As far as it's concerned, as long as you've given your life to him, you'll get into heaven. But the problem, the issue, is that you're going through this world and Satan will hit you. He will hit, he will do everything in his power to strike you dead. You need courage. You need confidence. 
you need to be encouraged. Your life can be a testimony to somebody else. Don't neglect the fellowship for selfish reasons or for other purposes. For whatever reason, you have to be in church. You have to be with other believers to either be encouraged by the testimony of one or the preaching of, of other. Someone could just say something in passing in church. He has, this person is maybe a lawyer and you, you are a, a, a farmer. But somehow, this word that they ministered in this fleeting moment had such a, 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 a gravitational impact on your life that changes the course of your whole life. Just one word. God may have been trying to get you to listen, 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 and in this one moment, you heard it and he confirmed it. And this was the word that got you through a lot. You could be the person that speaks the word that helps somebody else in that church. Someone is going through a hard time. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to approach a particular situation. But you have the answer. But you're not in church. God doesn't want you to fellowship to meet him. He is here. He is always going to be here. He's here right now. He's inside me. He's beside me. He's around me. At this point in time, he is here. Why am I going to church if it's to meet him? I can meet him here. But people need you in church. And you need people in church. I tell you, or maybe I haven't said it this season. I'll keep saying it every season so that you get me. When I hear God speak to me, when I pray about a particular issue, and I hear him speak to me, he says something, he gives me a word. The very next time I step foot in church, he confirms that word for me. That exact thing that I was struggling with, that thing that I was wrestling with, that thing that I just prayed about. And I heard God, but I wasn't sure I heard God. You know those moments where you think, you, you, you want to believe you heard God, and you're not sure if it's God you heard or if it was yourself. Well, I used to have those moments, and I have those moments sometimes still. I go to church, and what he told me, he tells me there again. Out of the mouth of two or three, every word is confirmed. I get my confirmations from God. I get it in a place of fellowship. It doesn't have to be the person preaching. It could be the musicians. They just sang a song and then there was that one sentence in the song that answered the question that was so, so pressing in my heart. Or I was just talking with somebody after service and they said the exact thing that God told me. They encouraged me to keep on, to hold on, still have my faith and build my confidence in God. That's what the body, that is what the fellowship is for. It's for you to gain courage, to gain strength, to keep moving on, to press on, because you have a lot of enduring to endure. It's a long way. You have a long way to go. You can't go all that way without sustenance. You can't go all that way without recharging. You need the body, either to be of help or to be helped, but you need the body. You can't neglect the body. If you neglect the body, then you are fighting with steam, not fire. Now quickly, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36. From verse 36 to 38, I'll read. I'm going to be very brief to this one because I've more or less said it already in the last uh, truth. See, I'll read. For you have need for patient endurance to bear up under the difficult circumstances without compromising. 
so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. 38. But my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, winking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. The truth that we're dealing with here is that there is a need for patient endurance. Now, when you say patient endurance, you are not talking of someone who grudgingly has to be patient or grudgingly has to endure because he knows that he has to endure. That's not what we're talking about here. You have to be expectant in your patience, in this endurance that you're enduring. You see, the goal here is for you to do the will of God. If you read this verse carefully, it says, and when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what he has promised. It means that when you fulfill the will of God, you will enjoy the promise of God. You don't fulfill the will of God, you don't enjoy to the full the promise of God. If you start and halfway through your gas finish, you cannot enjoy to the full the promise of God. So if you're enjoying in half measure, you're enjoying it little by little, sprinkled by sprinkle, it's because you have not fulfilled the will of God. What did God ask you to do? Because God asked you to do something. There is nobody on the face of this earth that God doesn't have a plan for. So if God has a plan for you and he has saved you, then what has he asked you to do? He has asked you to do something. There is something that God has asked you to do. Have you fulfilled the will of God? Have you done? Have you obeyed? To the full, you will enjoy the promise when you have fulfilled the will of God. But to get to that point where you fulfill the will of God, it requires fortitude. It requires a patient endurance. You see, it's like this. It's like this. It's like a video game. You start out in level one. You are the most basic, most bland character. You're just the uh, potential for what could be, not the actual thing that is. You start out in that level one. And then as you go through the level, you acquire things. Either you acquire gifts, you acquire money, you acquire health, you acquire some cheat codes or whatever it is. And then you fight the bulls and you overcome that and then you move on to the next level where you go through more struggles and then it builds your character, it grows you, it shapes you, it refines you to the point where you get to that final stage and you're able to conquer the boss. That's what Christian life is. That's what Christian living is. When you live the God life, your faith will be tested. Everybody is given a measure of faith. To everyone that is saved, there is a measure of faith given. Then you'll see will be tested. That's why in the beginning when you first give your life to Christ, you will look up to the skies about to rain and you say, rain, this in the name of Jesus. And the rain will cease. And you're amazed. Your faith worked. It worked. But then time kept going. Time kept going. And instead of you to build your character, as in the game, you just skip by every opportunity to build it, every opportunity to be. How? 
do you want to overcome? Fellowship? No. Go to church? No. Read your Bible? No. Pray? No. How can you endure anything if you do not prepare yourself for it? You know, there are, this, there are some Christians that believe that the, um, that the tribulation period comes before the rapture of the saints. And they are preparing themselves for the doomsday event. They have their bunkers, they have it stocked with dried food, they have their land prepped out, they have their weapons ready for war, ready for anything that comes their way. They are ready to endure the seven years. It takes preparation and it takes fortitude. It takes patience. You have to be patient with yourself to build yourself. You're not just going to get to Paul's level, John's level, Jesus' level, just like that. Even Jesus had to go through a careful period of warming before he got to that place, but he endured it with patience. He did not grudge it. He did not do it grudgingly. He did not begrudge himself. He didn't resent God for his purpose. Maybe you're worried about the thing that God has asked you to do. Maybe it's too big, but do you know God hasn't even shown you the full picture? If he did, would you be able to stand the test of time? So, we have to remember that this is a journey. The Christian life, this God life that we're living, it's a journey and it's a test of strength, fortitude and endurance. It's not something that you should do grad grad for. You don't just start with so much gas, you build yourself slowly and surely on the word of God. That's where you get your strength from. That's where you get your resilience from. That's also where you learn great patience. Remember, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. To be afraid of your destiny in God for the body of Christ. That's not God. You're not representing him at all, not even a little bit. So try to live your life centered on him. Because if you're not centered on him, you're going to lose God. And if you lose God, you're going to be shut down. As we go through this week, focus on these three truths. First, is that we do not need a go-between between us and God. You are pure and blameless. We are blameless. We are without blemish or spot. We can approach him for anything as we see fit. As we see fit. There is something like a prayer of agreement, but that is not for every single prayer. Hmm? You could pray for God to show you where you kept your car keys. Will God not answer you? Of course he will. Yesterday I was looking for my house key and I couldn't find it. I prayed and like a lizard, he directed me to the exact door the key was on. I didn't need a prayer of agreement for that. I didn't need a middleman to intercede on my behalf. The second truth is that the fellowship with other believers is not for God's sake, it's for our sake, it's for us to build us, to encourage us in the Lord, to, to, to refine us, to give us, you know, hope. And it can also be used as a measure of accountability. Maybe you're a young Christian, maybe you're a feeling Christian, maybe you're struggling with something in particular in your life and you cannot hold yourself to account. You've cried 
and you've tried and you've tried and failed. And you need somebody to keep you accountable. You find that person in the body of believers. You don't find them on the outside. You find them inside the church because those are the best sets of people that can keep you accountable. And then finally, we said that there is a need for patient endurance. In this Christian life that we're leading, we need to learn to endure. And we need to do so with patience. And that patience is a result of an expectation. And that is something that I will get on into later on in the season. Because you need an expectation. Because if there's no expectation, then how do you expect or how do you want to be patient? What result are you anticipating? Shall we say a little prayer? If you would just pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. I thank you for the word that you have given me. My ears are open and I am willing to hear and obey. I will not neglect the body of the believers. I will not leave the sanctuary that you have provided for me. Help me, Lord God Almighty, to maintain my walk with you, that I not stumble, that I not falter, that I not quit, because that is not the plan that you have for me. You designed me to be a victor, not a victim. And that is the life that I choose to live now and for all eternity. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. Thank you for staying tuned. God bless you as you go about your night. And God bless you as you go about your week. So until next week, good night. The God we serve is the living God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. But he is more than just God. To me, he is my brother, my teacher, my friend. He is my home. If you are under the sound of my voice and you want him to be all these things to you as well, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I know now that you went to that cross for me, that you died for me. You went through hell so that I wouldn't have to. And I am grateful, Lord. From this day forward, I belong to you. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. Rest in my heart from now on. I surrender all that I am to you. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said that prayer with me, congratulations. You are now a member of the body of Christ. Welcome home. And for those of us who have been blessed by this message and are led to give to the gospel, feel free to sow your seed at the following Access Bank account. That is 151-132-1721. I repeat, 151-132-1721. I assure you that your seed will be used solely for the propagation of the gospel. My name is Sharon Tanko, and God bless you as you give.